Joshua chapter 6, and I want us to look at something very familiar but very powerful. Joshua chapter 6, verse number 1. Joshua 6, verse number 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in and no one came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men. You shall march around the city and you and all the men of war, and you shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And the seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when you make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people will go in, everyone straight up before him. So let's look at Joshua 6 just for a few moments, and I want to pull out some things that is applicable in your life that you can use in your life today from Joshua 6. Lord, we pray that you would add the blessing to your word today as your word goes forth in power, as your word goes forth in boldness. We pray that we would hear your word, give heed to your word, we would be faithful and we would be fruitful, and everyone shouted a great big amen. Let me ask you this question. What does it take to get a breakthrough in your life? What does it take to get a breakthrough? You know, we sing about breakthrough. We sing about God's presence. We sing about God's glory. We sing about God doing miracles in our life. We pray for experiences because we're Pentecostals. But what does it really take for things to start happening in our life? Have you ever thought about that? Raise your hand. What does it really take for things to really start happening in our life? I mean, is there a certain amount of praying we need to do? Is there certain scriptures we need to quote? Do we need to fast several days? I mean, is there a secret secret formula for God to do what God said He was going to do in our life. And as I have read the Bible and studied the Scriptures, I find over and over that there isn't a secret formula. There isn't a, something that you need to decode in Scripture to try to figure out why God is not doing what He said He was going to do or why God's not moving in your life. I don't think that there is a secret code here. I actually find that when you read the Scriptures, that if a believer walks before the Lord consistently, God begins to do things consistently. It is your consistent walk with God that causes the consistent blessing of God upon your life. And you'll see in the book of Matthew, especially 13, where Jesus tells the parable that the seed fell on different types of soil. Some of, those, some of that soil was hard. Some of the soil was thorny. Some of the soil received the seed. and It bore fruit. It really depends on how open you are and how receptive you are to the counsel of God as you walk with God. It is when you walk with God consistently that God begins to do things consistently in your life. And I believe that one of the greatest failures for a Christian is to give up too soon. We want to give up too soon because it's not working. 
We have tried everything. We've prayed everything. We've fasted. We've quoted the Scriptures and it's not working. And I believe that the greatest tragedy for a believer is to give up too soon. And I'm asking you, ladies and gentlemen, not to give up too soon. I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to push forward. I'm asking you to consistently walk with the Lord in a consistent way without giving up. Now, that's easier said than done sometimes because the enemy is the old serpent. That enemy will tempt us and try us on every side. But you have to be strong and courageous in the Lord. And I believe that if you read the book of Joshua, you'll see about a man by the name of Joshua who never gave up, who believed the promises of God, even though his former generation gave up. They died in the wilderness. Joshua was a man of promise, a man of character, a man who led God's people into the promise that God even promised his forefather, who was Moses. A man that never gave up. And I want to look at Joshua this morning. I want you to see how you can learn from Joshua how you should never, ever give up. I believe that if you're going to experience a breakthrough in the things that you do see, then you've got to see a breakthrough in the things that you don't see. Sometimes we focus upon the things we do not see or the things we see. But in order for you to experience a breakthrough in your life, you've got to have a breakthrough in the things that you don't see. You've got to struggle with the things on the inside of your life. Does that resonate with anyone here? In order for you to experience a breakthrough in areas that you see, you've got to experience a breakthrough in the things that you do not see. You remember Jesus? Jesus prayed in the garden. Before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus wrestled with Himself internally. He had a breakthrough internally before He went to the cross. And if you're going to experience a breakthrough in your life, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that you've got to wrestle internally before you see a breakthrough physically. Jesus wrestled internally in the garden before He went to the cross. Do you know what the cross is? Look at the cross. The cross is a place of public exaltation. Everybody could see Him on the cross. But only a few people saw Him in the garden. The reason that Jesus made it to the cross, the reason that Jesus endured the cross, was because He experienced a breakthrough in the garden. He experienced an internal breakthrough there. And therefore, He could experience a breakthrough on the cross. In order for you to experience a breakthrough in the things that you see, you've got to have a breakthrough in the things that you do not see. I'm convinced that real breakthrough, ladies and gentlemen, real breakthrough happens not when God breaks the cycle, but real breakthrough happens when God reveals to you what keeps you in the cycle. That's what we call breakthrough. God can not only breaks the cycle. I believe God can break the cycle. I believe that God can deliver you. I believe that God can set you free. But real deliverance and real breakthrough and real, real true breakthrough happens when God Himself reveals to you those things that are keeping you in that cycle so that you can break it. It's not enough for God just to break it. 
God has done so much for some of us, but the problem is we keep running back to the vomit. We keep running back to the mess. We keep running back to the thing that God set us free. And that is why you have not sustained your breakthrough. That's why you have not sustained your change in your life. Because you do not realize that there are things that you are doing that's keeping you in the mess. Real breakthrough is not only when God breaks the cycle, but real breakthrough is when God shows you what is keeping you in the cycle. I am convinced that some of us is in functional bondage. We have been in bondage for so long that we function in it now. It's called functional bondage. We've been in it for so long, we just know how to fool people. We know how to go with it. It's functional bondage. But I believe that what the Holy Spirit wants to do to some of us is that He not only wants to break the bondage, not only does He want you to have a breakthrough, but He wants to reveal to you the very thing that's keeping you in the bondage. Is there anybody that can say amen? That God would open our eyes up, that God would reveal to us those things that's keeping us in bondage. I believe that it's not just about a breakthrough, it is about a stay-through. It is about a stay-through, not just a breakthrough. You see, you know what's exciting? You read the Bible, and God was with Moses, and you know that Moses struck the rock twice, and because of his unbelief, he did not enter the promised land. And all those people that were in the wilderness died in the wilderness. Of course, God raised up Joshua, and with this new generation, God brought those people into the promised land. But what's interesting to me is that there is a book called Exodus. Genesis, Exodus. Do you know what the word Exodus means? To, to what? To exit. Everybody shout to exit. Everybody shout exit on the count of three. One, two, three. So that tells me that there is a book in the Bible. Now don't lose me. Everybody look up here. There's a book in the Bible named Exodus because it tells the story about how God brought His people out of the land of bondage and they exited out of bondage into the wilderness towards the promised land. So that tells me that if you are a believer this morning and if you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, then you are never trapped as a believer. You are never trapped as a believer. There's a whole book written about how God's people was exited out of the land of bondage. That tells me, Pastor Larry, that if I am a believer, that tells me that there's a book written about how God exits things out of your life. So if you're a believer, you're not supposed to be in bondage. You serve a God that wrote the book of Exodus that can exit you out of the things that the enemy has put you into bondage. God is the God of exits. You are never to be trapped. You may feel like you're trapped. You may look like you're trapped. But you're not trapped. Because the same God that was with His people at the Red Sea the Red Sea is the same God that's with you and I today. The children of Israel left the land of bondage. They left Egypt. They exited out of Egypt. And when they exited out of Egypt, what did the enemy do? 
The enemy said, I'm going to trap you again. And isn't that what the enemy does? The moment that God delivers you, the moment that God sets you free, the moment that you exit out of something, the enemy will always put a Red Sea in front of you again to try to stop you, to try to trap you. But the Bible says Moses lifted up his staff and what did God do? God rolled back the waters for the children of Israel and, and Miriam took a tambourine and she danced across that ground singing and dancing because no matter what the enemy may throw at you, we serve a God that can not only deliver you once, He can deliver you again and again and again and again. He can exit you out of this. He can exit you out of this. He can exit you out of the Red Sea. He can exit you out of bondage. We serve a God full of exits this morning. Hallelujah. When you stand in front of something that looks impassable, when you stand at something that looks impossible, when you look at something and it seems like you can never get through, remember that we serve a God that wrote the book of Exodus and He is the one that can exit you out of anything the enemy has trapped you in. Did you hear what this preacher said? I said, whatever the enemy has trapped you in, we serve a God that can exit you out of that thing. I think I just need to say that again. Some of you are in bondage this morning to your past. You're in bondage. You're in bondage to whatever the enemy has put you in bondage. But I prophesy to you in the name of Jesus that God has the ability to exit you out whatever the enemy has lied to you, whatever the enemy has shackled you under, whatever the enemy has put you under. I prophesy to you, get up, take your tambourine and dance across the dry ground and refuse to let the enemy put you in bondage anymore. Hallelujah! Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah! Somebody lift your hands and glorify God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I said hallelujah! I said hallelujah! I said the devil is a liar! I said the devil is a liar! Some of you need to get a backbone about you. You're, you're too wimpy. We live in a culture where we got men looking like women and women looking like men. And we want to demasculize men nowadays. I'm so sick of it. I, I want somebody to get in the army, put a little, come on, put a little camo on and say, I'm going to stick my ground. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let up. If I've got to believe Till Jesus comes, I'm going to believe. Though He slay me, I'm going to praise Him. I'm not going to give up, let up, shut up. I'm going to pray up, pay up until He comes. Somebody help this preacher out today. I'm so sick. I'm so sick of this coward generation where we won't stand up for anything and if we say say anything then we're intolerant and I'm going to let you know right now that if you're, let, if you're going to let the enemy run all over you, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to run all over you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to steal your stuff. And you're going to live in depression all the days of your life until you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and slap yourself once in a while and tell yourself to wake up. You're going to stay right there. 
You can have all the sad stories you want about how everybody's mistreated you and the church is bad and the preacher's bad and all this is bad. You can just say it all you want, baby. Just get together, get together in a circle and find everybody like you. And and just have a wound licking fest. Just get in a circle and lick everybody's wounds. But history don't, history don't record wound-licking fests. History records people who defiled the odds and stood up against adversity and adverse conditions and made something of themselves. These people in Egypt that God brought out of Egypt. Listen, they were brought out of Egypt through the Red Sea. God exited them out of bondage, brought them through the Red Sea, even though it tried to trap him, they ended up in the wilderness. The wilderness was supposed to be a season. Just a very short season. But they were there for 40 years. Don't lose me. You've got to beware that your season don't turn into a cycle. You've got to be aware that your season don't turn into a cycle. There are seasons of grief. There are seasons of anger. There are seasons where we need to take care of some issues. That's good. But you've got to be careful that you don't get stuck in a cycle because you've stayed in that season too long. And you know what the children of Israel did? The children of Israel stayed in a cycle for 40 years. It was only supposed to be a season, but they couldn't get over their issues. And when you can't get over your issues, you're going to stay in a season that was meant to be temporary, and you're going to keep repeating the same thing in a cycle, year after year, licking your wounds, blaming everybody else of why everybody else has treated you wrong. Can can somebody just help this preacher preach a little bit? Why, now listen, why did God put them in a season? It was their choice that they stayed in a cycle. Why? Why did they have to go to the wilderness? Don't lose me, church. Stay with me. You know why they had to go through the wilderness? Because even though God brought them out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, their wilderness experience was only supposed to be 11 days. It turned to be 40 years. The reason that they had to go to the wilderness, they had to go there. But the reason they had to go there was because God had to reprogram them of who they were. They saw themselves as slaves. And God said, if you're going to get to the land that I want you to go, you've got to start seeing yourself as soldiers. Did you hear what pastor said? Why did they have to go to the wilderness? They went to the wilderness so God could reprogram their thinking that they are no longer slaves. They are now soldiers. They cannot possess the promised land with a slave mindset. If you're going to get what God has for you, you can't get it 
having a slave mindset. You've got to have it having a soldier mindset. And God says, I've brought you out of Egypt. I brought you through the Red Sea. I'm going to let you stay in the wilderness because I'm trying to teach you that if you're going to get what I want you to have, you've got to have a different mindset. You can't think like a slave any longer. You've got to think like a soldier. But the problem is, the problem is, the children of, the children of Israel never changed their thinking. They always thought like a slave. And so therefore they died in the wilderness. And some of you are going to die in the wilderness because you're a stinking thinking. I'm never good enough. I wish they'd asked me to do something. I'm never good enough. I'm worthless. Go ahead and just prophesy to yourself. Go ahead and feed your spirit that junk. Why do we sit around thinking that everybody's thinking about you? How selfish you must be to sit around eating your Oreos thinking that everybody's thinking about you every day. Everybody's thinking about you. They died in the wilderness because they couldn't change the way they think. God says... I'm only putting you in the wilderness for a season. Why are you in the wilderness for a season? To change the way you think. I brought you out of Egypt, but Egypt is not out of you. So I've got to put you in the wilderness to reprogram your thinking from a slave to a soldier. So from a slave to a son. But your problem is, you can't get over it, so therefore, what was supposed to be 11 days turned out to be 40 years. What was supposed to be a season turned into a cycle because you couldn't get over what you thought. You've got to be careful in the seasons that God has put you in that it doesn't become a cycle because you can't change the way you think. Number one, you see in the story that you've got to see yourself right when you fight. Joshua brought him out to the wilderness. Moses brought him out into the wilderness. Joshua's calling was to bring them into the promised land. They should have only been there 11 days, but it turned 40 years because they couldn't think differently. God says, listen, how are you going to fight in the walls? How are you going to fight and march around the walls of Jericho thinking like you're a slave in Egypt? You're going to have to start thinking differently. Church, you're, including myself, and I'm always preaching myself here, if this church, and I believe we're going there, if we're going to continue to go in the direction that God has for us, we've got to think different about things. We, 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 can't, we can't think like we thought on Annie Baxter. We can't think like we used to think a few years ago. We've got we to move and progress in God with our thinking. It's interesting to me that Joshua 
if listen, Joshua was more concerned about the call of God on his life than he was the need for company. Moses had the call of God on his life, but he had to have company. Why? Moses stood there all day judging the people. His father-in-law said, what you're doing is not good. Now, on a practical side, that boosts your ego when everybody's coming to you to solve their problems. And Moses stood all day solving everybody's problems. Everybody's coming to him. His father-in-law said in Exodus 18, what you're doing is not good. Don't do this. Now get this. Get the mindset. Moses was called, but he needed the people to need him. I need these people to need me. Joshua was called, but Joshua said, I cannot need you if I'm going to lead you. If I'm going to lead you, I can't need you. Did y'all just hear what I said? Joshua's mindset was this. I'm going to protect my calling and I'm not going to give in to the preferences of people or the need for company. In other words, Joshua is saying, it doesn't matter anymore. We're going to take the wall. We're going to go into Jericho, whether you like it or not, because this is the call of God on my life. You can stay back there in Egypt. You can stay back there in the wilderness, but we're going forward. Moses, what was Moses' problem? Moses was so aggravated with the people, striking the rock. Aggravated. Needing the people. Moses goes to the mountain to pray. He comes down. The people needed Moses. Joshua distinguished the need for company versus the need of my call. My call comes first. I don't have to have the need of company to fulfill the need of affirmation in my life like Moses did. And what God wants to do in your life God wants to bring you out of that cycle that we've been in, that we need somebody to do something in order for God to do it. God says, I have the ability to work through people. I have the ability to do it myself without anybody else. And, and so Joshua understood this principle that I'm going to work, but I'm going to depend upon God. I'm going to go forward but I'm going to fulfill the purpose and the call of God on my life whether the company is in agreement or not. What was a season turned into a cycle because the children of Israel could not switch from slave to servant, couldn't switch from slave to son. So therefore, what was a season turned into a cycle, but God says, I'm getting ready to change some things. Joshua is coming along, and Joshua don't need any of your approval. Joshua don't need a pat on the back. Joshua is going to stand up and say, I'm going to follow the call of God instead of the company of people. Did you hear what I said? You've got to love your calling more than you love the need for company. 
You see, this is interesting. I'm almost done. Now I'm about to shout here. Y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready? Joshua 6, verse 2. Now, just look at it. I never saw this before, but when I saw it, I just wanted to shout. Now, maybe you'll shout with me. I don't know. But look at it. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, its mighty men of valor. Now, stop. Look at verse 1. Joshua 6, 1 says, The walls were shut up. Now, I'm not the smartest person, but the Scripture says the walls were shut up. In other words, the city was secured with walls. And then God said, See, I've given it to you. Now, if I was Joshua, I would say, No, you haven't given it to me. But you've got to look deeper in what the Lord is trying to say here. The Lord is trying to say that visionary people can see through walls. Can somebody help this pastor out? I said, visionary people can see through walls. The people of Israel, when they looked at the walls of Jericho, all they saw was high walls. But when Joshua came up to the wall, he saw a city that God has given him. If we're going to go forth in the future church, we can't just see empty seats and a balcony. You've got to look beyond what you see. And you've got to see through the what? Can I have about 50 people in the building that can stand to your feet and say, I see through the walls with you. I see through the walls. I see through the walls. I see through the walls. He's given us the city. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. He said, he said, uh, he said, I've given you this city, Joshua. He said, verse number two, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho to you. You've got to look beyond the walls. Verse 3, you're going to march around the city, you men of war. The men of war represents prayer. You shall go around the city once, and then you shall do it six days. Verse 4, and the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets with ram's horn before the ark. That is praise. So when you go forth, you're going to be praying, and you're going to be praising. And then he says... This, you're going to go around seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpets. Isn't it interesting that this is a symbol of prayer, men of war, a symbol of praise? Because any time you stand in front of something that's impassable, God says you're going to have to deal with it with spiritual weapons. You're going to have to deal with it in prayer. You're going to have to deal with it in praise. And then he says the Ark of the Covenant he says, when the Ark of the Covenant goes, he says, I want praise to be in front of the Ark. Is that what he said? Because the presence of God should always follow praise. Did y'all just hear what I just said? What went before the Ark? Praise. Trumpets. 
And anytime there is praise, the Ark of the Covenant represents presence. The presence of God will always follow a people who is praising God. Did you hear that? Did you hear what I just said? I said the power and the presence of God will always follow a people of praising. And then what happened? He says, what I want you to do is I want you to circle around this city six times. Well, I want you to circle around the wall six times. Verse number 11. He says, I want you to circle around it 11 times. Now, isn't it interesting to me, verse 11, so the ark of the Lord, so they had the ark of the Lord circle the city around it once, then they came to the camp and they lodged there. Now get this. This is what the Spirit is saying. There are some stuff that only happens because you have circled it long enough. There are some things that will happen in your life because you have circled it long enough. And what the enemy wants to do is wants to bring such discouragement to you because you have circled it a long time. But God is saying, just because you have circled it a lot doesn't mean you should quit. There are some stuff that happens only because you're in the right place long enough. If these people would have given up on the third day, they wouldn't have been there when the walls fell. And if they wasn't there when the walls fell, they wouldn't have been the first one to go into the city. And there are some things in life that you've got to learn that you've got to stay there long enough in order for you to have access to what God wants you to have. There are some things that you've got to circle in prayer a lot of times. There are some things that you've got to believe in prayer a lot of times. That you've got to be there at the right place at the right time that when God brings the breakthrough that you have a direct access to the opportunity. And isn't it interesting, in verse number 20 he says, verse number 20, so the people shouted as the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened that when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they shouted and they heard. You've got to make sure that when we're shouting that we don't forget to hear. Make sure that you're hearing is as loud as you're shouting. They heard the sound of the trumpet, but they also shouted. They shouted and they heard. They shouted and they heard. We're good at shouting sometimes. We're poor at hearing. They heard. Now, in closing, this right here was like, when I saw this, I didn't, when I saw I didn't see it before. But I saw it this time, Pastor David, that I never saw. It's interesting to me in verse number 20. No, yeah, verse... They blew the trumpet. It happened. The people shouted with a great shout. Yeah, verse 20. Joshua 6.20. Now get this. They shouted. They heard. The trumpet blew. And the Bible says, and the wall fell down flat. The wall fell down flat. Nowhere did it say that the wall crumbled. If the wall crumbled, 
it would have killed them. They're marching around the walls at the sound of the trumpet, and when the walls fell, if it crumbled, it would have what? Fallen on every one of them, and they would have died. But the Bible says the walls fell flat. It went the opposite direction into the city. It fell. In other words, when God is bringing you out of things, the things that should have destroyed you will not destroy you. The things that would have crumbled you is not going to crumble you. For the Lord is saying, if you progress in me, I'll make you fall forward and you won't crumble under the pressure of the enemy. Did you hear that? The destruction didn't destroy them. The destruction did not destroy them. They didn't crumble under pressure. The walls fell flat the opposite direction and they survived it. God is saying that when you walk with me and you walk in my presence, I am going to cause those things in your life that would have destroyed you or would have destroyed somebody else. I'm going to call the, cause those things to make you fall forward instead of it making you crumble under pressure. How many would agree with Pastor Josh that you should have died under certain circumstances? There were things in your life that, that almost made you crumble under the pressure of the weight of what the enemy was thrown at you. But you're here today because you can testify that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. And the things that would have destroyed you really didn't destroy you at all. It was just a launching pad to throw you into the next season of your life. Can I hear an amen? You see what God's doing? God said, I've delivered you from Egypt. I'm a God that can exit things. I can bring you through the Red Sea. Because that's how the enemy does. He delivers you, but he tries to trap you again. But I'm a God that can do it again. I'm going to place you in a wilderness experience to reprogram your thinking. Because you can't go to where I want you to go unless your thinking is changed. You've got to start thinking as a soldier instead of a slave. A son instead of a slave. But the children of Israel griped and grumbled and complained and never changed their thinking. So therefore, what was a season turned into a cycle. God raised up Joshua. They said, you don't need the approval of anybody like Moses did. Your calling is secure. You don't need the need of company. So God raised up Joshua, got that group of people together and said, we're going forward to the promised land. And when they got there, the first city that they had to deal with was, was Jericho. And the very first thing that you've got to deal with is you've got to learn how to fight. How do I fight? You've got to think differently. You've got to see yourself differently. Another thing that God said to Joshua, if you're going to win the battle, you've got to be a visionary. You've got to see through the walls. You've got to see the city that I've already given you. He said that when you get there, you've got to march around those walls six times. And on the seventh day, you've got to march seven times. In other words, you've got to circle that thing over and over. And it teaches us that sometimes you've got to keep circling things. 
You've got to be in the right place long enough for God to do something. It teaches us that when the, when the enemy does come and the walls do fall, that God has a way of pushing you forward and falling forward, and you're not going to crumble under the pressure. You're going to remain strong. After the walls come tumbling down, right before they came tumbling down, he said in verse 18, he says, when you get through this city, Joshua 6, 18, he says, when you get through the city, he says, there are some things that you need to abstain from. Because this is the principle they, they never realized, is that the enemy sometimes is not your worst enemy. Sometimes yourself is your worst enemy. And he said, there are some things that you need to abstain from. You have the potential to annihilate your own purpose, not the enemy. In other words, he says, you have the potential to annihilate your own purpose by the decisions that you make. That's what he was telling the children of Israel. Listen, the depth of one's character is always revealed in the presence of options. I don't know how committed you are until you have the option of not being committed. I don't know how committed you are until you have the option not to be committed. Joshua said, you can destroy yourself by your own character and your own choices. You're, God's going to bring you into this land, but you've got to be careful that you don't marry pagan tribes and countries. I don't know how committed you are until you get to the land that God has given you, and then you're around all these pagan women, and let's see if you intermarry with them. Solomon. I don't know if you can worship me as the only God when Baal is being worshipped as well, when there's options. Isn't that the gist of the Old Testament? God said, why are you swaying between two opinions? Options? That's why Joshua, that's why the Lord said to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, I think, Joshua, be strong, be courageous, for the Lord is with you. That's why Joshua said, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I have no other option. I don't have an option not to serve the Lord. I've already made my option. You see, he said, I'm trying to develop these people into a people that would bring me glory. They got stuck in a cycle that should have been a season because their thinking would not change. Their thinking wouldn't change. I pray today that we don't get stuck in a cycle 
when it should just be a season of our life. I pray that you would reevaluate your heart and your life. That if God wants to do something in you, maybe it's God breaking something in you. Maybe if you feel uncomfortable, maybe, maybe that's God. Maybe people get on your nerves, but maybe that's God. Using people as sandpaper to make you a person of character. You're not supposed to like everybody. You need somebody that aggravates you just to see what's inside of you. You need somebody to get on your nerves just to reveal the type of person you are on the inside. If everybody was like you, you would have never been perfected into Christ. You need to go to church with people that get on your nerves. You need to go to church with, when the pastor upsets you. You need to go to church when somebody don't look at you because you know what it does? It's not about them. It just reveals what's already on the inside of you. And how do you know what's on the inside of you if somebody don't rub you wrong? That's why Jesus said, I've come to bring a new way of living. You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you look, you've committed adultery. You've heard that it was said, repay your enemies. But I say unto you, turn the other cheek. It's a new way of thinking, a new way of doing life. You've heard it was said that you should only go one mile, but I say unto you, you better go two miles. A new way of thinking, a new way of conducting ourselves. A new way of behavior. A new way of seeing things. Because I'm raising you up to be a man of character. I'm raising up to be a man of God. And that's what we need nowadays. We need more men of God and more women of God, not on the basketball field, and then there's nothing wrong with it, but we need some men that shows their families how to pray, and some mothers that show their children how to pray and be faithful and committed to the house and the work of Almighty God. Hallelujah.